Welcome back to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. All this week we'll be featuring sermons from the recent Bible conference in El Paso, Texas, pastored by Paul Stevens. We pray these sermons are a blessing to you, and we're sure they will be. We'll return to our normal schedule next week. God bless. Thank you. Good morning. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 5. The book of Acts, the fifth chapter in in the 1850s. In England, green wallpaper suddenly became very popular. Everybody wanted green wallpaper. But people didn't realize what made it green is they were coloring it using arsenic. And the wallpaper they put on the wall was actually poisoning people. 1862, three children died, but the medical officer noted that there was green wallpaper in the children's bedroom. He had it tested. Very high concentrations of arsenic were found. In another house, when one lady got sick, her cat, the fur fell out. She heard about this, so to test it, she swapped rooms with her maid. (laughs) She made a full recovery, and the maid got sick. It was only when she had all of the green wallpaper removed, everybody in the house, they regained their health. So here's the point of that story. The atmosphere was unhealthy. The text that we're going to read is a radical story of God killing people in church. I know there are frustrated pastors. You dream of this. That is not what we're preaching on. But God uses radical stories to make a point. And the point that he is making is the spirit of the church is crucial. And you have to fight for the spirit of the church. I want to preach about the spirit of the church We're going to read a part of that story in Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. A certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it, and they brought a certain part, or he brought a certain part, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself while it remained? Was it not your own? After it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Why have you, uh, you have not lied to men, but to God? Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard those things. The spirit of the church. Let's begin and talk about the importance of spirit. It's important you understand what a church is not. You want to build a church, it would help if you understood what a church is not. A church is not just a building. I have seen great buildings with no life. A church is not just a gathering of people. From time to time, I've had... Men introduce me, pastor introduce me, here's my people. But the problem is, in the people, there is no evidence of conversion, no change, no hunger for God, nothing. So you have people, that doesn't mean you have a church. 
And a church, of course, is not just a program. A church is a living organism. A living organism has life. It has personality. It has characteristics. A church is a spirit. That means that gathering of people, it is spiritual and supernatural. Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I've had people, you know, we were out in the forest, there were two or three of us, and we read that, and hear the Lord. That's not what it's talking about. It's not just the fact that people are there. He says the crucial element is God's presence doing business there. See, in the Bible, spirit determines ability. It determ- the spirit determines the outcome. Think about Ezekiel's vision of the valley of dry bones. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 3, the power of the Lord came on me and brought me out by the spirit of the Lord, put me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me among the bones and I saw there were many bones in the valley. They were very dry. Then he asked me, human, can these bones live? And I answered, Lord God, only you know. He saw a vision of death. There is no ability. Nothing will work. It was bones of an army. They had no ability to fight. But then we read in verse 9 and 10, the same chapter, Then he said to me, prophesy and say to the wind, this is what the Lord God says, wind come from the four winds and breathe on these people who were killed so they can come back to life. So I prophesied as the Lord commanded me and the breath came into them and they came to life and stood on their feet, a very large army. Bones, but now there is wind, there is breath. It's the same word in the original language as spirit. When spirit entered the bones, everything changed. Everything works. So if a church is a spirit, we have to determine what determines the spirit of a church. Of course, the major factor is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the determining factor of the ability of the church. The church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. It was the outpouring of the Spirit, Acts 2, 2 through 4. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. One sat on each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That is not just a history lesson, it's a pattern. That is what must be at work in every one of our churches. We have to have that. But it's practical. When the Holy Spirit is at work and has freedom to move, everything works. Some of you came to conference, you're struggling because nothing works. The Holy Spirit makes things work, makes things work supernaturally. I have a young man in our, our church, Chris Wagner. He had met a, a girl who uh, attended our church. He wanted to date her. Met her at work, I think, and wanted to date her. And so uh, he's going to be polite. He went and asked the, the girl's father, uh, I'd really like to, to date your daughter. And the father wisely said, absolutely not. Why not? You're not a Christian. And so Chris said to himself in his head, he said, Christian, 
I can play the game. He said, you know what? I'm going to go to church and I'm just going to play the game so I can date the girl. The very first service he came to, I was preaching. And while he's sitting, he has no background in church. He heard me say, some of you here are playing the game. He said, Pastor Greg was saying, you need to stop playing games with God. And he said, Pastor Greg said it over and over again. Stop playing games. You're playing the game. In the altar call, he lifted his hand and got saved. Afterwards, they're going out to... And he told the mother of this girl, he said, man, that guy was talking right at me. He just kept saying, stop playing games with God. She looked at him and she said, no, he didn't. He was preaching on tithing. (laughs) How is it that I can preach on tithing, but he hears exactly what he needed to hear? The Holy Spirit. Supernatural. So the Holy Spirit determines the spirit of the church. But the second thing, what determines this, let's talk about the spirit of the church. I'm talking about a spirit. When the Holy Spirit moves upon people, he speaks to people. That may be conviction. That may be stirring. That may be calling. When people respond to the work of the Holy Spirit repeatedly over time, it becomes a spirit. Interesting study. I I challenge you in the Bible how often. I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit. That's capital S. But the Bible speaks about the spirit of people. You are talking about a settled, constant spiritual condition. You can understand spirit most easily negatively, right? When ladies say, that guy gives me the creeps. Why is that? They can pick up the perv vibes. Why? Because again and again, he's probably given himself to pornography and uncleanness. So now it's a settled conviction. Everywhere that guy goes, he's got a spirit. All right, you with me? That's what I'm talking about. So this is true in a church. People... Take on a spirit. God moves on them. Now I'm talking not about negatives, positives. When the Holy Spirit deals with you and again and again you say yes to God, you obey and do what God says, you take on a spirit, a settled spiritual condition. Acts 6.5, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Everybody knew this. Stephen has got faith because again and again he believed God. Barnabas, his name was not Barnabas. That's a nickname. They met this guy. Every time you got around Josie's, here it was, you felt encouraged. So they nicknamed him, hey, here comes encourager, which is, this is not in the sermon, but some of you, if they nicknamed you, what would it be? I'll just move on quickly. (laughs) Other people have told me one of the marks of my ministry is you get around me, you you are inspired to believe God. That is because again and again, I've chosen to believe God. It's a spirit. But churches take on a spirit. You go to one church, there is 
fire and passion. Other churches have compassion. There can be redemption as a spirit, unity, freedom, faith. A church takes on a spirit. So in the text we're reading, what was at stake was the spirit of liberality and financial obedience to the, to the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 44 and 45, now all who believed were together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. Overall, Acts 4, 4 37, having land, they sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. There is something there that in the atmosphere, it was predominant. The majority of people, they were liberal. That church had a spirit of liberality. That's what I'm talking about. The Prescott Church is very redemptive, partly because we've seen everything through the years. If you're messed up, it's a good place that for you to repent and get healed because people will overlook your faults. They'll work with you while you are on the road to recovery, a church is a spirit. Okay, all that's foundational. Now let's talk about changing the spirit. Because that is what is at stake in our text. The unchanging strategy of hell, the enemy tries to gain entrance in order to influence negatively. This is always what the devil does. He tries to gain entrance to stop God's will. Think about the garden. Here's Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden in relationship with God. The serpent gained entrance. Why? To influence Adam and Eve. So if a church is a spirit, you better mark it down. The enemy will try to gain entrance, to change it. He does not want any of the good spirit that a church can have to remain that way. How does he do that? Numbers of ways. Number one, there can be infiltration from without. You've heard me tell through the years when we were pioneering in Johannesburg, South Africa, a man came and confessed that Witch doctors and Satanists, they were gathering together, practicing witchcraft, and through astral projection, they were trying to gain entrance to my house so that they could curse us. That's a strategy from hell. I'm not just talking about a house. I'm talking about a church. You need to recognize the signs of assault from without. One of those can be Oppression, great Bible word, Acts 10, 38. Those who were oppressed of the devil. The word means to weigh down. You ever wake up in the morning, you went to bed a Christian with the joy of the Lord, and you wake up and it's just something is sitting on you. Just heavy because the devil is trying to gain entrance. Interrupted sleep. How many of you know sleep is from heaven? Naps are holy. Write it down. The devil doesn't want you to sleep. He assaults sleep. You better recognize that. Strange or shifting sickness. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, you got the flu. It's a season. There are people that come. They say 
the doctor says he has no idea why this is happening. Or people say it goes round and round, mom, dad, kids, the cat, and then it goes round and everybody gets sick over and over again. That's not normal. That's from hell. Strings of reversals happen in churches sometimes financially people losing jobs or uh, uh, different financial reversals fruitfulness reversals of people that as a string unnaturally people backsliding unusual marriage conflict is sometimes uh, a uh, uh, an indicator now some of you that that won't make sense to you you fight all the time so like how can you tell Maybe you're not under attack from hell. Maybe you are from hell. That's a different sermon. Okay. Resistance in the altar call. Sometimes you'll, you'll just feel. It's like swimming in molasses. It's, it is thick. You cannot get that. There is infiltration. The devil from without is trying to gain entrance. But our text is speaking about another way. It's infiltration from within. Sin. The Bible teaches us that sin has the power to release a curse that goes beyond the one who sins. It affects other people. A man named Achan, he chooses to sin and disobey God financially. When the army go out to fight, Achan's sin affected the whole army. 38 men die. The whole army lost dominion. Why? Because of Achan's sin. 1 Corinthians 5, 6, a little leaven. Leaven's the whole lump. This is especially true in sexual sin. Now listen to me. We're not meant to live in fear. What I just told you, there are pastors right there. You're going, oh my God, we're in trouble. You don't have to live in suspicion that at, you know, one person at any moment could wreck your whole church. That is not what I'm saying. You can't tell me even under my superior ministry, you can't tell me everybody in my church is not, is, uh, they're all living for Jesus 100%. Okay, I, I'm, I'm a realist, I know that. But the problem is sometimes you recognize signs, something's wrong. If you're not doing something wrong, but the atmosphere changes and now all of a sudden there's a struggle with fruitfulness, the altar call, finances, whatever it might be, when you feel resistance, Perhaps a logical place to start is to think about the sin factor. Then we have an unhealthy spirit that attaches itself to the church. I told you before, people carry a spirit. I explained the perversion principle. People have a spirit. So what the devil does is he wants there to be people in the church with a spirit that is not good, releasing a spirit into the church. This is carnality. We have people in our churches, they attend, but actually they are ruled by their flesh. The Old Testament, it speaks about the mixed multitude. These are many of the problems the children of Israel had. They started with the mixed multitude. Listen to me right here. When I talk about the spirit of the church, you say my church has excitement, liberality, uh, you know, anything. The spirit of a church is not forever fixed. 
You know, our church is excited and we'll be excited until we die. Our church is liberal and we'll be liberal until we die. We got faith. No, no, no. Listen, a spirit of a church is never fixed. The devil tries to push and change it. And you need to understand this. Carnality is like, think about the story of deliverance in, in the book of Luke. The demons are cast out of a man. The house, talking about his body or his life, is cleaned and swept. But then it says, and the demons tried to come back. So that means God helps you, gives you victory, but it's not fixed forever. The devil tries, and often what you feel in a church is there's a tug of war or a pressure from time to time trying to change that. Carnality is like that. Went through a period in our church that the young people, I, I began to pick up, they were resistant to standards. I had a group of young men, very irreverent during church, laughing and joking and texting through church. I am not an upset pastor. I do not preach. I do not pastor mad. I refuse to live like that. But when I saw that, I said, this is dangerous because they, they are changing the spirit. So I took each of them aside with their fathers and I rebuked them sharply because I am not going to let carnality rule in our church. I don't do that all the time. I felt that by the spirit of God that that was necessary. Carnality, religion. Some of you, if you get excited that people from other churches are coming to your church, you are foolish because religious people are resistant and they are very evangelistic. You, you think it's a, you got a great catch because some couple came from the Assembly of God or the local charismatic palace. Like, wow, they're going to come to our church. You know what's going to happen the moment they come to your church? They want to change your church. Ah, you don't, it, it would be better if you didn't do that altar call. Listen, listen, if you weren't happy, if you don't think we're doing it right, go back to the church you came from. They resist altar calls and evangelism and offerings and moral discipline, spiritual discipline. In our text, it's talking about greed in finances. And God shows his opinion of people who are disobedient in the area of money. What a, a radical story. Wouldn't that be Radical, we came to church today, five people got saved, three people got heal, uh, healed, and two people were killed. <laughs> Pastor, where do you put that on your monthly report? <laughs> I don't remember a killed section on the... <laughs> but God is saying something. Mammon, when you read that word, mammon, mammon, it is a demon spirit. It was the money God, a Canaanite money God. And so God is saying, you cannot allow a spirit of greed to rule your church. It can't happen. I took over a church years ago. It was very interesting. I, I liken it to be, you know, someone handing you a box and it was ticking inside and I thought they gave me an alarm clock it was it was a time bomb it was a it was very interesting uh, period of my life but one of the problems I had we were struggling 
to death financially. Uh, it was, I can't tell you all the ways that we were struggling. But I had a head usher who had been proselyted in from uh, the, the church world you know, previous, two previous pastors ago. He was the head usher. He was the one who collected the money. He was the one who counted the money. While he counted the money, when he saw people, they would write a check or give a pledge. He would look at it with disapproval and go, they shouldn't have given that. I've had people in ministry. They're up, supposed to be on stage, supposed to be ministering the Spirit of the Lord, and I discover that they're not tithing. God says that releases a spirit into the church. And then finally, of course, this infiltration can be odd people with a spirit. Acts 16 tells such a fascinating story. They're trying to pioneer in a new area and a demon-possessed girl, she has a, literally a python spirit if you study it. She follows along with them. She's saying the right words, but no doubt in the King James probably doesn't give us the true indication. She's following along behind them. Imagine you're trying to witness to somebody and someone's standing behind you going, these men are the servants of the Most High God! <laughs> so you know why the devil did that? Is because he wanted people that Paul and the brothers are witnessing to to look at her and look at them and go, oh, you're together. Is that what I'll be if I go to your church? That's from hell. Can, can I just give you a little tip? Somebody like, well, I don't know, the devil's fighting. Okay, some of you, your building is like the size of this platform. <laughs> Let's be honest, some of you got really small buildings. You let in some really weird people in your church, right? You let in some crazy people. They look like they got demons. You can't hide. You know, in a larger church, you know, in Prescott or Tucson, you know, something, we got some weird people, but there's a lot of people around them kind of covered up. If, you know, if you, got, if you got 10 people and one of them is like really weird, do you understand what every visitor who walks in thinks? Oh, is that what I'm going to become? No, thank you. And you're thinking, man, the devils are big. No, it's the crazy dude. That's from hell. The devil sends strange people to churches. Do you know that? <laughs> That's not going to work. The smaller you are, the more you better pay attention to that. Let's talk finally about fighting for the right spirit. Our text gives us a pattern for fighting for the right spirit. How do you then protect or establish a right spirit in church? Number one, awareness is what you need. The Bible says the enemy works in darkness. When you read darkness in the Bible, most often it is associated with the devil or demon powers. Why? Because the devil likes to stay hidden. I have never gotten a text or a phone call from hell. Hey, Greg, we're coming tomorrow. We're going to try to wreck everything. Thank you. That's not what happens. If he can stay hidden, his work, you won't fight it. You know what the most common mistake is? Pastors and pastors' wives are laboring for God. They're under assault, 
but because they don't recognize it's from hell, the conclusion they reach, there is something wrong with me. There are pastors and pastors' wives, you came to conference absolutely discouraged. You, maybe you already talked to Pastor Stephen, I don't think I can go on, there's something wrong with me, like nothing working. I said, no, 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 it's from hell. So in the text, God exposes the power of hell at work in Ananias and Sapphira's heart. Verse 3, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. The old statement is the devil exposed is the devil defeated. Job 28, 11, he brings hidden things to light. How does that happen? You expose him by examining the evidence. When you feel oppression, when you're experiencing restriction in the, uh, in the Bible, there is evidence that something is wrong. You're under assault. Sometimes it's prayer. As I say, I don't live in fear that one person sinning is going to somehow wreck the church. But then when I start feeling resistance and I don't know where it's coming from, I pray, God is the God of light. God, I will pray, God... Something is wrong. I need you to bring it to light. And then, of course, discernment. There are people that have come. They have said the right words. We love your church. Oh, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. But in discernment, I feel something's not right about this person. I'm not excited about them. Dreams. I want to tell you, God does speak in dreams. And I, Listen, do not come up to me and... Ask me to interpret your dreams. You know, your dream, I don't know. Don't, don't eat hot salsa late at night. That probably, that's, that's what you should, you know. I don't, I don't dream a lot, and they're, they're usually not very specific. But a while back, I started on a several nights in a row, I started having very specific dreams. And that's not normal for me and and there was you know someone was trying to do damage I don't I don't remember all the details but in it I remember so clearly someone was trying to hurt and they came and they were holding this bowl and it was so weird what does a bowl have to do with someone trying to hurt you I woke up and the next day I asked Lisa I said did someone give us a bowl and she said, no, you know, we went to the cupboards. We're looking just, you know, normal you know, dishes that we bought. Said, no, but a few days later, she called out. She said, hey, Greg, come here. Went in the back room, and there was a woven bowl that someone had given. We had stuck it in a, in a drawer. We didn't need it. Stuck it in a drawer. I, we don't even remember where it came from. But I said, I think God was trying to tell us something because we had been experiencing strange sickness, interrupted sleep, some of the things that I uh, uh, spoke in, in all of this. So God exposes the works of darkness. Secondly, aggression and prayer. Battles are fought firstly and mainly in prayer. It's a supernatural dimension. When you're experiencing assault, it's supernatural, so you have to take authority over it supernaturally. Cast it out. Matthew 16, 19, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Acts 16, 18, this is that demon-possessed girl. She did it for many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I commend you in the name of Jesus Christ, 
come out of her, and he came out the same hour. That's partly what needs to happen. Sometimes when I feel that the church is under assault, I will come to the church by myself when no one's around. I will begin to take dominion. I will tell the devil, you are not going to rule here. We rule. But thirdly, our text speaks about the power of judgment. It shows the miracle power of judgment. Verse 5, then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and died. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. Again, a radical story because God is making a point. The simple point you should take from Ananias and Sapphira's story of judgment is some things need to be judged. That's the simple version of what God is trying to tell us. Some things have to be judged. Whenever you deal with the Spirit, you are removing that influence, therefore making room for the Holy Spirit to move. That is what God was doing. These people and their spirit of greed, God is saying they are releasing a spirit that is going to harm the church. So judgment comes to remove that influence. And then we read the impact of that. The Holy Spirit has right away, verse 12 through 16, the apostles did many signs and miracles among the people. They would all meet together on Solomon's porch. None of the others dared join them, but all the people respected them. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to the group of believers. The people placed their sick on beds and mats in the streets, hoping that when Peter passed by, at least his shadow might fall on them. Crowds came from all the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and all those who were bothered by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. That is what happens when there is righteous judgment. If someone is damaging the spirit of the church, you can't let that go. Right here is the problem. Pastors who have rejection issues don't like judgment. They don't like that. I'm going to talk to them. I have never judged anyone and they said, why, thank you, pastor, for rebuking me and putting me out of the church or removing me from ministry. Wow, I am so pleased. No, they get upset. But it's the impact. I have judged non-tithers and the money went up. I had a pastor tell me, one of my pastors told me a story recently. He said something was wrong in the church and he began looking and discovered that his usher, I think he even said, the head usher, here it is, he's touching the money every service and discovered that he had not been tithing now for a long time. Called and asked me about it, and I said, he has to be removed from ministry. You can't have a guy as the usher touching the money who doesn't tithe. So he called the guy and asked him, he said, I'd like to meet with you before the evening service that night. Met with him, found out, yep, it's true. He hasn't been tithing for a long time. So he removed, said, you can't be the usher. Removed him, and then the pastor called me, and he said, Pastor, that night we had the largest Sunday night offering we have ever had in our history. Now, how is that possible? Nobody else knew that the man wasn't tithing. 
Right? He didn't make it out. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this guy, he's been a greedy flake. I need you to help make up for this guy's greed. That's not what happened. They had no idea, but when he judged it, something supernatural happened. I've judged immorality. There's something wrong, and then I discover people are unclean, immoral, whatever's going on. I have judged them, and then suddenly people start getting saved. Converts, they start getting it because there is something. A church is a spirit. So the spirit of a church, you have to recognize that, and you have to contend for it. I, I close with this story. I called Pastor Joe Campbell He's mentioned his story a number of times. You know that he pastored the church in Chandler, Arizona. It was experiencing tremendous revival. God called him to go be a missionary to Malaysia. He went to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia to uh, uh, pioneer a work. The man that he turned the church over to didn't have a right spirit. He tried to take the church out of the fellowship. He actually prematurely, it was a plan with other pastors, he prematurely announced they were leaving the fellowship. So Joe Campbell came back to the church he pastored before. He said before, when he pastored, the prayer room was jam-packed, there was evangelism, people were on the streets. But he said when he comes back, the prayer room was empty, very few people coming on outreach, and he said, now as he begins to preach, it's the same church, but now there were people resisting. And he said, numbers of people, some things change. But he said, one family especially, they were resistant in many different ways, began to pray, began to contend, began to preach on issues. He said, finally, that family made the decision, we're going to leave, there's no love here, we're going somewhere else, whatever they're rationale was, Joe Campbell said, the moment that family left, the church began to rapidly grow. He said, in the next year, they added 150 people to the church. The spirit of the church, you need to understand that. If you will believe God, if you will pray, if you'll contend for a right spirit, and then when you're under assault, deal with that. I'm telling you, God wants to help us with the spirit of the church. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes all across this place. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, Premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. 
And finally, every dollar we raise goes to World Evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.